This is Carrie Gephardt, and you're listening to Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1, section 10, says, The supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined in all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men and private spirits are to be examined, and in whose sentence we are to rest, can be no other but the Holy Spirit speaking in the Scripture. Welcome back to another episode of Five for Fruit. We're in the Defending Confessionalism series. This is part three. Last week I talked about how interpretation is unavoidable. And if we're going to have an interpretation, we should have it written and out where everyone can examine it and see it. Whether that means you accept the historic confessions of the church or you create your own that is more in-depth than, let's say, uh, your typical church's statement of faith. Um, it needs to be out there. It needs to be out there, visible and public. But today I want to talk about how confessions play a part in the defense of a local congregation. Defense against false doctrine. Defense against false teachers. And uh, in, in Acts chapter 20, Paul went and he met with the Ephesian elders and he gave this solemn warning. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. That's a reality in our current context, there are so many varying opinions and teachings about the scripture. Many can be deceived because they don't know what is true. The importance of having a written document like a confession is that we can point to that and we can say, this is what we believe the scripture teaches is true. And uh, I can give you a, a, a short example. In my prior pastoral experience, I was pastoring a church that was anti-confessional, anti-credal. There was no statement uh, from the church about what they believed. And it caused all kinds of issues just pastorally in the church. Uh, for example, on how you, how you accept new members into the congregation. But it also allowed a wide variety of beliefs to be present within the church uh, so far to the point when I discovered that the only other elder that I was serving with in that congregation uh, was a member of a Christian cult and had wacky, wacky views of, uh, of the scriptures. And this is something that occurs when you don't have a confession that you can use as defense. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about the importance of growing up in the faith. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Well, as elders of the church, how do we protect our people from false beliefs? We do that by having a confession and we require those who become members of the congregation to agree to what that confession confesses to believe about the scriptures, about salvation, about God, about Jesus Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about the sacraments, about the way that the church should be ordered. Confessions 
defend the church against false teaching and false doctrine. If you don't have a confession and you just point to the Bible, then you can have Mormons in your church. You can have Jehovah's Witnesses in your church. You can have all kinds of false Christian cults in your church because they too believe in the Bible. But what is it that they believe the Bible teaches? That's what confessions do, and that's how they defend. Well, until next week, be confessional and bear much fruit to the glory of God. Five for Fruit is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Check out more members of the Society at reformedpodcasts.com. Subscribe, rate, and review Five for Fruit on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And visit the website fiveforfruit.com to listen to past episodes and to read articles. Until next time, this is Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice.